I want you to get in touch with how to eat before we're talking about what to eat. And so we have to go back to the basics and make sure we understand and can hear our body and can listen to our body and can trust our body. So, so many people don't trust their body anymore. And they'll say things like, oh no, if I trust my body, if I let myself have this, I will just eat all of it. Or I'm a sugar addict or a food addict. And there's just all these terms that have been thrown at them and that they've internalized and believe about themselves. Welcome to Weighing In on Happy, the only podcast that dives deep into discussions around weight, eating disorders, mental health, body image, intuitive eating, wellness, confidence, and so much more. Each week, you'll be coached through different stories and strategies on how to start living your best life today. So if you're ready, here's your host, Victoria Evans. This episode of Weighing and Unhappy has been brought to you by my one-on-one coaching program, 90 Days to Food Freedom. This program was designed to help you break free from destructive eating habits and toxic body image through the power of science-based intuitive eating. If you're ready to finally be free to eat intuitively, work with your body, not against it, and feel absolutely fantastic, release all of that food drama, guilt, rules, shame, fear, and sabotage, then this is the program for you. So check out more details on this program and to sign up for your totally free 30-minute Blueprint to Freedom call, where on the call, we'll get clear on the three things currently holding you back from food freedom and assess if you're a good fit for one-on-one coaching, then you can go ahead to my website at www.victoriaevansofficial.com forward slash coaching, or you can just head to the show notes below and click the link there. Today on the podcast, we have Julie Satterfield. Julie is an anti-diet and weight-inclusive registered dietitian, author, speaker, podcast host, and coach. She is dedicated to building empathy to break down the shame-based culture of dieting, freeing individuals up to create authentic health and a positive relationship with food and their body. Her book, Ditch the Diet, How to Reclaim Your Health and Enjoy Food, really encapsulates this passion and is a resource for those searching for peace with food. In her practice, Julie provides online programs and nutrition coaching with an intuitive eating approach that nurtures the body, mind, and spirit, leading people towards greater love for themselves and a lifelong peace with food and their body. Hey everyone, welcome back to Wing and Unhappy. I'm Victoria Evans, an intuitive eating coach, and I am joined today by Julie Satterfield. She is an anti-diet dietitian, and I'm so excited to have her here on the podcast. So welcome, Julie. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. And so I think a lot of us maybe don't quite know what an anti-diet dietitian means. It almost sounds like a bit of an oxymoron. Um, Could you tell us a bit about yourself and kind of what that means and how you ended up becoming one? Okay. Yeah. Well, for me, it really started in college. So I knew when I went to school that I wanted to be a dietitian because I really loved the science of it and how all the vitamins and minerals work in your body and everything that they do for you. And then when I got into college and we started learning about therapeutic diets and diabetic diets and celiac disease and all the different things and what kind of food restrictions those entailed. I remember thinking, oh my God, I hope I don't get celiac. I could never do that. And I just started ruminating on all these ideas. Like how are people going to do this? Like psychology was really important to me too. So I always took a whole bunch of psych classes and my mom is a therapist. And so it was kind of just in my blood and 
I really just started connecting all the pieces then and thought, okay, well, weight loss and dieting does not really work very well. It doesn't seem to make sense. And when we restrict, we're eventually going to rebel against that. And it just, um, felt like maybe there was a better way. And about the time I graduated from college, the intuitive eating book came out and I read that and I was like, yes, this is what I mean. This is what I'm talking about. Like, I eat when I'm hungry and I stop when I'm full and, you know, I eat a lot of junk food, but I also eat a lot of food that, you know, is considered healthy. And when I say junk food, I mean, like back in the day when we just considered chips and fried stuff, like junk food, what I love all foods and don't put really any labels on them. But there was, there was definitely this idea growing up where I was like, why do I just like, you know, I eat all these different things. And some of these things have such poor labels put on them, but went, but I was always pretty regulated. And anytime I would think about taking food away, like I would try to do like a celiac diet or a diabetic diet in order to know what I needed to do to help my clients. Like if I want to fix breakfast, um, how would I do that in my house? And if I wanted to fix a dinner that was gluten-free and there's no, um, cross-contamination, what would that look like? And I would be crazy within a couple of hours. It was like, Oh my God, I can't take it anymore. I need some bread, you know? And so it really just fostered that idea even more that we inspire more control and we do better with being well-rounded when we give ourselves the permission to eat. And so for me, anti-diet really encompasses not going on restrictive diets where you are telling yourself you're not allowed to eat foods and your calories are restricted and finding small manageable ways to incorporate the nutrition principles that you might need for your own personal circumstances. <laughs> Long-winded answer. <laughs> yeah, no, that was perfect. That was exactly what I was looking for. So many places to kind of pull from. And so I'm curious because, you know, if someone was, you know, for example, they had celiac disease and you're like, yeah, I noticed how crazy I felt trying to, you know, control and like make it all perfect. So when you work with someone, what is that like? Like, what is that kind of psychology kind of, you know, aspect, not having it feel restrictive, you know, versus when you had that kind of idea, I'm going to get rid of this. I, you know, for myself that, you know, when I, and I still struggle with acne, but like at one point the person who I was working with was like, cut out all gluten, all sugar, all dairy, all everything. Right. And I was just Mm -hmm. like, Oh goodness me. Like, I guess I'm really going to have to like lean into my work now and like really focus on food (laughs) abundance. Right. And it was interesting to see the, you know, when you do have the removal of certain food groups, how your psychology plays into that and your relationship with food. And it it was super, super tough. And thankfully I started work someone else. And now I don't restrict any of those foods anymore, but even for that blimp of time as both of time, as it were, it was really difficult. And so I'm curious kind of, what do you advise to people when they have, you know, celiac disease or, you know, whatever, you know, kind of different food restriction they may have. Right. So you, I really have to ground everything in the individual. So Mm -hmm. it really comes back to a very thorough 
personal health assessment and an assessment of who they are, what their life looks like, the foods that they enjoy. So we go through a real detailed intake in terms of, okay, what did you eat yesterday? Let's write that down. Is that typical? If it's not, what are some of your favorite foods? Like we look, we really dig into the kind of foods people like and what their life looks like. Are you a mom with little kids? Are you retired and you travel a lot? Like what, what's your life look like? And then we figure out what we can do. So celiac disease is a much harder when I used that example, but mm -hmm. that's one where someone may be really sick when they, originally present with to a dietitian and you have to start, um, there's a lot of things that come into taking that away, taking, taking away some of those foods. And mm -hmm. lots of times there's a lot of fear involved with it because people have felt so badly. And so really finding this, um, education piece that can allow them to give themselves permission to eat the foods that they like and finding, uh, what's the word? Um, well lost the word, but <laughs> a word, something that you can replace with something else substitute. Yes. That's the word. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, finding a substitute that you still enjoy and you love, and you can find ways to cook in your house in a way that doesn't feel like I'm taking out all the joy and what, what can we, what works for you? And now in lots of the situations that I work with, there's a lot of miseducation. So with diabetes, people may get a little bit of education early on in their diagnosis. And 20 years later, they're thinking, oh, I'm not allowed to have any concentrated sweets. That's like the term that they would use. No concentrated sweets seems to be a popular term in diabetes education. And you're like, wait a minute, the more we can kind of clear that up and help, you know, how to balance it within your life. Like you can have concentrated sweets for sure, because I haven't met anybody that is able to restrict all of something forever. So setting that up as the goal feels a little bit defeating. And so if we can set something up, that's more manageable. So I guess going back to personality, your own history, your own mental health, physical health, and how do we start to incorporate these things in a way that fits with how we develop habits in our life, right? And it doesn't have to be perfect. And we're not trying to get to perfect. We're trying to get to manageable. And so dealing with the thing that is the most prominent first, like if you are having major gut distress, what are we going to do to lessen that gut distress? And then what are we going to do to look at the long-term implications of this disease that you have and go from there? Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. I, it's such a great question. And one thing that comes up a lot, whether it be, you know, dairy or lactose, you know, guess dairy, lactose, <laughs> or like, you know, whatever kind of the food restriction or maybe even allergy right, might be. So I think, yeah, like you're saying, like education piece is huge, you know, digging into the person, their own personality, you know, looking at the habits, making sure it makes sense for them. I think it's mm -hmm. so incredibly important. I think there is a lot of misinformation. I think a lot of people think they maybe sometimes even are gluten intolerant and they just were told that from something online and never really, you know, understood it or got tested. And so, yeah, I think it's important to work with someone who, you know, knows what they're talking about, what they're doing, like a dietitian when it comes to yeah. these kind of things. 
Well, you totally just dug into two topics that are really common for miseducation and um, misunderstanding, which is like dairy and lactose because Mm -hmm. lactose is the milk sugar. So someone, lots of times people will be lactose intolerant and the advice is give up dairy. Well, they don't need to give up all dairy. So Mm -hmm. there's like no lactose in butter. There's no lactose in like cheddar cheese. Mm -hmm. And so people are giving up all these foods because they think that they have to, but it's because that they're conflating those two, those two items. And same thing with, like you mentioned the gluten and, um, intolerance is you might have an intolerance to, um, wheat and gas producing foods that are creating stomach upset. It's not the gluten per se, but lots of times foods that have gluten in them also have wheat in them. So when you eliminate the gluten, you eliminate like the part of the offender, but not all of the offender, because there's all these other foods that the bacteria in the large intestine consume and create gas from that can cause pain or cramping for you personally, but not for someone else. And so really digging into, okay, wait, why are you gluten-free? Let's look at that first and let's see if that's really, um, what is going to help you, or is there something else we have to look at? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Cause I, I know even people who've gone on those like elimination diets and they never even understood what exactly they were looking for, but mm-hmm. they were just looking to feel, you know, better in some way and that ends up, you know, they're eating like barely any food groups towards the end and they don't even fully understand what the intolerance was. And now they've completely messed up their relationship with food and their mm-hmm. body and their gut. And so, yeah, just as like a disclaimer, someone thinks that they are you know, struggling some kind of intolerance or they're wanting some support, like go work with a dietitian who can really help you with that and support you with that instead of just trying to, you know, kind of just blindly throw things at the wall and see what sticks because you might end up with, you know, more issues than when you began with. For sure. And we do see a lot of that. We see a lot Mm of, um, different, very disease states that require some nutrition intervention that quickly turn into disordered eating patterns and, um, all kinds of mental fears with food. And we can avoid a lot of that. Like if some, the, what I'm always trying to do with people is liberalize their diet in the most, most, (laughs) the most way possible. So even if they are, um, have any kind of, uh, problem that requires that we take something out here or there. We want to make sure that we're taking the right thing out and that we're liberalizing their diet. So kind of found foundational is the intuitive eating piece and helping them to learn to listen to their mm-hmm. body so that we can do that effectively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so on that note about intuitive eating, you know, as a dietitian, how do you kind of approach, you know, intuitive eating? Cause I think, again, a lot of us think about dietitians, you know, as like eat exactly this, exactly that, <laughs> how much, when, you know, all of those kind of things versus, you know, having, you know, this more liberal food freedom approach, like what does that look like for you? Right. So it goes back again to our foundational piece, which is people come in and there's this idea that we have control over food. And if I could just figure out the right diet and the right foods to eat, and I will just set it all up and I'll control this control that then everything's going to be fine. And it feels really exciting and empowering to start a new diet and to be like, okay, which foods is it going to be? All right. And people like get out there and 
what we do is we kind of flip that upside down. Like I really, the foundational piece for me and for my clients is this, um, intuitive and mindful eating piece. Like I want you to get in touch with how to eat before we're talking about what to eat. And so we have to go back to the basics and make sure we understand and can hear our body and can listen to our body and can trust our body. So, so many people don't trust their body anymore. And they'll say things like, Oh no, if I trust my body, if I let myself have this, I will just eat all of it. Or I'm a sugar addict or a food addict. And there's just all these terms that have been thrown at them and that they've internalized and believe about themselves. And what we have to go back to is when you were a baby, you knew when to start, when you were hungry, you cried for food. And when you were done, you pushed it away, right? Like that's kind of what we have to get back to is being able to feel those feelings, understand them. But there's so much emotion intertwined with food that lots of times it's really hard for people to be present with their food because these other things are coming in. So as a dietitian, I also really like people to work with a therapist because that specializes in this, because there's a lot of things that come up that require, um, therapy and counseling beyond just what I do as a nutrition counselor. Um, And we do, you know, we cover the emotional pieces and we cover like some things to do with that, but that's for sure the bottom layer, like how to eat and allowing yourself to eat and getting enough food. And once your body is getting enough food and you're nourished and you're not hungry all the time, then you can start to make some choices that weave into your life. And I also in this foundation also have body acceptance as a big piece. So I feel like we have to go back and look at those weight charts and consider them null and void. And remember that we're all made differently and that our bodies are shaped the way they're shaped. And that's not the most important thing. And we're not focusing on weight loss because as soon as you start focusing on weight loss, you can't listen to your body anymore. You can't make these small changes because you start being like, Oh my God, well, let me just get 20 pounds off and then I'll do it your way, Julie. Then we'll do it like slow and steady and kind of talking about the, how to eat like it doesn't work like that. So we really have to hit all those things and then start talking about what does it look like to build lasting habits and what are some foods that we want to incorporate into your life? So I really don't ever like to take food away from people. I'm a big add food in dietitian. So Lots of times at the very beginning, I'll start with people like talking about drinking water. Let's add some water and let's talk about how that, what that habit is going to look like and just keep chugging away at that. No pun intention intended (laughs) while we, um, (laughs) while we work on some of these intuitive eating principles. So that's kind of the nutrition kind of comes last. There's just so much groundwork we have to do. Yeah. I, I so, I so agree. And you know, it's so important that you mentioned like even the the counseling side of it, right? Because there is, you know, above getting, you know, the right amount of food, enough food to nourish your body, right? Like even when you get to that kind of almost like a a baseline as it were, like, okay, I'm eating enough food. It's like, now I can do the deeper work, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, why did all these issues around food, my body come up in the first place? Because food issues, body, like that's a symptom. And Mm -hmm. so once we're kind of working through some of those things now, it's kind of like, okay, why did I feel like I had to look a certain way or have a certain size body or have this kind of diet? And where was that coming from? And like, was it with my family or, you know, siblings or, you know, just society in general. Right. And it's like peeling back all those layers. But if I'm 
not even eating enough food to begin with, my brain can't even get to the place where I can get to that work. Right. It's yes. like, I, and I used to try to do that as well. And I think, you know, initially when I started my journey, I really struggled because I was like, I wasn't eating enough food, but I was trying to do the, you know, the psychology piece of it. And it's like, my body was just like, we need energy. Like we need calories. And I was like, why do I feel so out of control? And I feel like I can't process my emotions. And it's like, well, because you literally don't have enough energy in your body to even try to contemplate emotions, right? Like it's just, you yes. physically can't because your body thinks that you're under attack at all times because you haven't eaten enough food. So it's so important. Yeah. Like you're saying like to hit all those levels, but making sure you're getting enough food in general, is just like, it, it's so crucial. And yet so many of us don't eat enough throughout the day. You know, it's yeah. Walking. When I talk to some people, they're like, oh yeah, like, you know, I had a coffee and then at lunch I had like this little snack thing. And then in the afternoon, like I had like a, a sandwich and then went home and I binged on everything. It was shocking. I'm like, <laughs> of course you would. Like that's totally normal. That makes perfect sense. And I used to do the same yes. thing and think it was like a personality flaw and like a, a mm-hmm. willpower motivation thing, not realizing like, nope, that's exactly what's supposed to happen if you're not eating throughout the day. But then if we don't know that, like that starts to hit harder onto our confidence. We think we have to restrict more and like be more intense about what we're doing. And it just becomes this kind of like downward, downward spiral, you know? Yeah. Well, and diet culture confuses us in terms of what is actually authentic nutrition. And Mm -hmm. so we start getting so confused about what to eat. And so, like you said, the people telling you what they're eating and they're thinking, oh my gosh, but I had this healthy bar that, you know, the label said it has this, this, and this. And so there's just so much confusion, I think about what is authentic nutrition and what does well-rounded look like and what is truly feeding my body. And I think it's so perceptive what you said too, about the mental health and not being able to even work on your issues because you're not fed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's like, that's such a great thing to point out. Yeah. And like, you know, for most of my life I was on and off diets. Right. And me thinking that and it really, again, it compounds on this idea that I'll be happier once I get to this point, not realizing a lot of that unhappiness was like hanger and just not eating enough food. Right. It's like, mm-hmm. it's, just makes it this, you know, future goal of like, when they eat perfectly and I look perfectly, everything will be great and wonderful. And because I felt so terrible in those moments, because I wasn't eating enough and I was restricting and punishing myself, it made that future goal seem so much more shiny and amazing and wonderful, which made me, you know, compound and like push even harder. And it just, it's, it's this downward spiral of like feeling shame, not good enough, which perpetuates this idea of this like golden future, you know? Yes. Oh my gosh. So huge. Mm -hmm. And so how does nutrition kind of fit into our journey of liberation with food without falling back into dieting? So it's like, yeah, like I want to nourish my body and I want to feel good, but it's like walking that line where it's, I don't go back into those old kind of restrictive ways. So, so Mm -hmm. how do we kind of do that? Um, we just keep pushing that message. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's working with people for a while. Like I think the paradigm in the past was that you go to a dietitian once or twice and they give you this diet and they tell you all the things and you go away and do it on your own. And so breaking out of that paradigm and knowing that we work on this for a while, we continue to work on the intuitive part and listening to your body and then processing it over and over and over again. (laughs) And so we keep coming back and 
being able to communicate and ask questions back and forth and getting curious about, oh, wait a minute, why am I, why am I skipping lunch? Am I not hungry? Is it that I don't think I'm allowed to eat this? Is it because I'm going to a party tonight and I'm falling back into these old habits of, oh, I'm not going to eat lunch because I'm going to this party and I want to save room for this cheesy dip that I really love. Like getting curious about that and constantly processing it. So we talk about that over and over and over again. And just throughout all the seasons, like I call them all the diet seasons. There's a new diet season, like practically every month or two months. And people are like, okay, okay, okay. I'm going to get back on it. And so really walking together through that and remembering what our goal is, which is to feed our body and to feel comfortable with food and to feel liberated and to have a food freedom and to be content in our life. And that that's not depicted by what the scale says or what the shape of our body is like, what is important and what do I want, um, to leave behind? Like what is really like you, you've, you've hit on it so many times. <laughs> what is the most important? So yeah, we get to the nutrition in pieces, right? And once you really are learning this and aren't tempted by restricting and are able to work through those issues, then we can start putting into practice some foods. And we do that slowly, you know, it's one or two changes and what's at the top of the list. What's the most important. Is it, um, the heart disease that runs in your family and you're really nervous about it. And we want to talk about maybe omega three fats. Okay. Let's talk about that. And let's talk about a manageable way that you can do that in your life. Not with a string of 10 things, but like one thing, Oh, you like fish. What's your favorite fish? How do you like to cook fish? Can you do that one time a week? And then maybe incorporate, you know, walnuts. You like nuts? Like it's figuring out these small pieces and working them in and then problem solving for that. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I think, you know, I'm sure you see as well, like so many people want to take this perfectionist all or nothing approach, right? They're like, mm -hmm. I want to do the full thing right now, everything, <laughs> all the salmons, all the nuts, whatever, you know? And <laughs> yeah. it's like brain is like, oh my God, like this is so much new, so much unfamiliar, yes. which then it thinks it's unsafe. And so, yeah, like I know I work with clients, it's like the micro habits, it's like the micro small adding in like this kind of abundance kind of mentality, but the slow, slow, slow buildup incremental over time, because mm -hmm. if we try to go at it. I mean, we might feel good about ourselves in the short term of I'm planning out this whole big new diet or these new diet changes. And we feel good about ourselves because we get those hits of dopamine for the planning, right? We'll yeah. feel so good about myself once I do this thing. And then we start to do it and our brain is like, oh, this is a lot. This is overwhelming. And then we go back, you know, to the beginning and then we just try to do like, and then we get mad at ourselves, beat ourselves up. And it's like, instead of trying to go zero to a hundred to zero, it's like, why don't we go zero to one, zero to <laughs> three, zero to yes. four, zero to three again, zero to five. Like, you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> I say all the notes. time, like after a couple of weeks of this, I got to do some laundry. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I can't keep doing all these crazy new things because the rest of my life just fell apart. Mm -hmm. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. And so another piece you talked about, you know, and, you know, the nutrition and then as well as kind of like the counseling psychology piece of it, but also the respecting our body and like learning to love and appreciate our body. Because if we're so, if we hate ourselves so much and we can't imagine our body changing size or whatever, you know, the idea of having food freedom can almost 
almost seem like a bit of a pointless endeavor if at the core of it, we're terrified of weight change because, mm-hmm. you know, we're never really letting ourselves lean into that because every decision we make is just backed by so much fear. So how can we kind of start to respect our body? If you spent so much for life, you know, really hating it and wanting to shrink it. Yeah. Million dollar question. That <laughs> is so hard. And like you said, and like we talked about before, it really is integral in the whole process is this piece of respecting your body. And I do think that it comes in, in pieces and layers, like this is almost a mountain we're climbing, right? And we have to just take it piece by piece. And I think that it's a, there's a total paradigm shift and we really have to start with remembering and rejoicing in who we are as a person, right? And then that body acceptance in the top of that mountain that we're getting to might not be like, Oh, I love my body. It's gorgeous. Like we might not get there and that's okay. Like normalizing our body and respecting our body. Like I loved that you asked me, how do you start to respect your body? Because that's really such a great piece. And we know that, um, we can, we learn to appreciate and respect our body when we can focus on its functionality and what it's doing for us. And so finding small ways to appreciate that piece can really help on this whole journey. And so I like to think about and suggest things like taking on maybe a yoga practice or a breathing practice or something that really helps you to get in touch with this body and what it's doing and setting intentions outside of weight and size, but looking inward, but really, um, that's also, it's hard. It's, and that takes time. It's just this constant process and getting new little tips all the time, which I think it's so lovely to plug into podcasts like yours and mine and so many other ones where we are talking about, um, weight inclusivity and learning how to appreciate it and different tips for ways to do that, I think is really solid. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And the respect piece is so huge, right? Cause you've been taught to basically you know, just want to destroy our own bodies for most of our life. Right. Like I remember, you know, when I was younger, like literally wanting to like take scissors and like cut the fat off my stomach, you know? And, and there was so much just at this deep rooted hatred for myself. And that takes time to undo. Right. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and even I talk with clients, like when you have thoughts or, you know, I have rolls on my stomach, even sometimes helping to change that kind of paradigm and add in some respect is adding in the and, right? So it's like, I have rolls in my stomach and I can lift my kid up and run around with them in the park. Or yes. like, you know, for me, it's like, I have lots of cellulite on my legs. And this morning I was deadlifting 300 pounds and I was like super proud of that. Right. Yes. And so sometimes if, you know, it feels like a big stretch to get to a place that I love myself adding in just kind of whatever you're feeling, but then kind of, again, adding in a, you know, just like a statement to just remember that what your body's capable of, right. That functionality, that ability to achieve whatever it is that you're doing, whatever, even just getting out of bed in the morning, right. It doesn't have to be these like big, huge things, but 
priming our brain to remember that we're not just something to look at, right? That's the, that's the least interesting thing about us is yes. how we appear. Um, but if that's all we feed into, then that's all we're going to see as well. Right. And so change that kind of paradigm, respect yourself through acknowledging yourself for what you're already able to do right now in your body. So great. I love it. And so what would you say are maybe some, you know, some tools that we can use or some action steps that can really help us to heal and become more intuitive with our eating? Well, I think that the, I mean, in terms of action steps, I would come back to eating enough food. And so one of the ways that you can kind of do that is to figure out a way to eat throughout the day. Like maybe it's three meals a day. Like I'm going to make a conscious effort to get breakfast in. I always skip breakfast. So again, you come back to who you are, you know, and what you're doing. And some, somebody might say, well, I already eat three meals a day. I already do breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Okay. Well, are you, um, are you feeling content at the end of that meal? Are you eating something that you enjoy and that you feel fulfilled by? Because sometimes it's not just the calories that fill you up. It's the kind of food and what we in our own personal history find satisfying, right? So when my Nana used to come visit my family, when I was a kid, they would, we were, my dad was in the Navy and so we moved in all kinds of different places, but my grandparents would come visit and they'd drive over wherever we were. And I can remember my mom getting the table set and being like, Nana and granddad are going to be here soon. Um, oh my God, we don't have any bread. Somebody needs to go to the store and pick up rolls. Cause Nana has to have her roll with dinner. And it's like, you could have tons of food with dinner, but if she didn't have that role that maybe it's the chewiness, maybe it was something from her childhood. She didn't feel satisfied. And I use that as an example with people all the time, you know? know, you could have tons of calories and food and think, gosh, why am I still hungry? Why do I still want this little something sweet? Why do I still want a piece of toast? I just had a smoothie, but maybe you can't just drink your meal. Maybe you need to be able to chew, you know, maybe you need something cold or warm. And so I think that that's a really big piece of, of that is recognizing who you are and what you need. And, um, I've already forgot the question. I hope I answered it. Yeah, you totally, you totally <laughs> did. And I always think about that kind of relation. There is a post going around. It's like, I wanted the chocolate bar. So instead I had the protein shake and the banana and the smoothie salad or whatever, smoothie bowl <laughs> and like, you know, five other things. And then I ended up having a whole box of chocolate, right? <laughs> it's like, right. if you just gave your body what it wanted in the first place, there's usually that level of satisfaction, right? And it's yes. just kind of like, yeah, that feels good versus like, no, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't screw it, eat all of it. Right. Um, and so leading it into that permission and knowing like, what does your personality like, whether it be, you know, Nana's, you know, role <laughs> or whatever that looks like for you. But I think that's so such an important way to look at, you know, how we're approaching eating is no matter you know what the caloric content is, if it's not hitting what we truly want, then it's never really going to be enough. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. And so the last question that I love to ask my guests, um, yeah. because the name of my podcast is weighing in on happy where we weigh in on all the things that make us happy that don't include weight. Yeah. Um, and so what would you say makes you happy? Me personally happy. It's 100% has to be connection with people and loved ones and just everyone. So it's, it's the people that I love and 
my family and my friends and connecting with them, but also like my clients and the work that I do and connecting with people just gives me so much joy. And I can't imagine a life of happiness without the love I'm surrounded by with my kids and my husband and my parents and my siblings and friends, just all of it. And the people that I work with every day. So that's beautiful. That's it. (laughs) Yeah. um, Connection. So, so huge. Um, So where can people find you? Um, You can find me at my website, shamefreeeating.com. And I'm on Instagram, shamefree.eating.rd. And so those are the main places in my podcast, Shame Free Eating. So um, I try to tell people stories and had you on and you told a wonderful story on my podcast about your journey. And I loved that. And I think that um, that's just the greatest way for us to build empathy and for people to understand this and move forward is to hear that they're not alone. So my podcast and my website, it's all Shame Free Eating. (laughs) Amazing. And that'll be all below in the show notes. So you guys can check it out. And again, just thank you so much for coming on today. I oh, love chatting with you. Thank you for having me. It's been lovely. And I really, it's an honor to be here and chat with you. Hey, you guys, thank you so much for listening to this amazing episode with Julie. If you enjoyed it as much as I did, if you learned something, got something out of this episode, then I would please, please invite you to leave a review on Apple. It really means so much to me. It helps you to get even more incredible podcast guests just like Julie. So it really does help not only me, but also you as well, the listener. Just takes two seconds. If you're on the app, you can just scroll right to the bottom on Apple and just hit the review there. So thank Thank you so much for doing that. Additionally, if you're interested in checking out my 90 Days to Food Freedom one-on-one coaching program, you can do so at my website, www.victoriaedmondsofficial.com forward slash coaching, or you can head to the show notes below. You can also find me over on Instagram. That is at Victoria Evans official, where I give lots of content, lots of different tools and tips and all the best things. So definitely come find me there and send me a message in the DM. So let me know that you listened to this episode. You can also find me on TikTok and that is at Victoria Evans officially. So official, but also with an L and a Y at the end of it. You can also sign up for my bi-weekly newsletter, Friday Food for Thought. There I give more tools, more strategies, journal prompts, music, recipes, all those fun things. So definitely sign up for that in the show notes below. And if you'd like to have even more community, you can join my Facebook group, Intuitive Eating Support Group for Badass Women. All right. And everything there can be found in the show notes below so you can easily access it. And again, thank you so much for listening. Until next week, I hope you have a fabulous day. Bye-bye.